0: What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. How are you doing this week, James?
1: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad.
0: Good, good. Got the levels set on this now a little bit better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I couldn't hear myself to start with there, and I couldn't hear you either. So that was never good. No. But anyway, we are here for another week, James. It is the last week of the Wimbledon Tennis Tournament, and I am a happy man because of that. Mm. Have you been watching it? No. No, no. I don't know anyone that has. Uh evidently millions upon millions have been watching it, but uh, not me. Not a big fan of tennis, so to be stuck there has not been particularly fun. The fifteen hour days especially have been not fun. And yeah, be glad when it's over this coming weekend. So yeah. What have you been up to this week, James? Not a lot. Oh,
1: what a life, James. I know. What a life. I know, living on the edge, but you know. <laughs> Mostly (laughs) consisting of work and a few game nights.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Obviously, we had our Monday night game night this week, which you didn't play any games this week, James. I did not play any games this week. But you were very nice to me by uh, running the club for me, yes, because I was in no fit state, really. Yes, because you were very tired. I was very tired and stupidly decided that that was a good time to do some painting of some miniatures. Yep. Uh, Needless to say, those miniatures now need repainting. Mm Mm-hmm and uh, i should not be doing that again no but i likely will don't paint while well tired people <laughs> don't paint while well tired indeed this past week and a bit has been amazing for games for me though not turning up yep. i've had the kickstarter delivery of the hogs of war Excellent. which were the uh, the minis that i was painting i purchased ankh gods of egypt i got dice forge of which we played last night. On Wednesday, and you won. And I won again. Score, cha-ching. Uh, what else have I... Oh, I've had the um, the Dice Hospital Roll and Ride has turned up. I purchased Living Forest for my partner because she really enjoyed the game. But of course, you know, it's, it's going to be sat on my shelf, so we can play that as well, which I really think you will enjoy that one with its sort of deck-building aspects of it as well. So... Mm-hmm need to get that to the table for you very soon. This week James, we are having a bit of a laid back time as we are not talking about a specific game but we are going to bring up one of our topical discussions again.
2: Ooh, Ooh
0: indeed. These are really fun to do because we can just pick a topic and and run with it. And this time I actually had a reason that I wanted to do this, and that was because while I was bored at Wimbledon, I was re-listening to one of our episodes, namely the 100th episode, and a particular thing that you said Mm. made me think we need to do this episode. And that statement was when we were talking about Root. Okay. And you said that every time we play Root going forward, you want to play the Eerie so that you can master it, because you were really struggling with mastering that. So FYI, people, I still haven't mastered it. (laughs) (laughs) This is very true indeed. So the topical discussion today, James, will be, does practice make perfect within gaming? Mm. Are you up for that discussion? Let's do it. Awesome. Let's go for it. Oh, I missed that little suspenseful music. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. A little bobbing around as well while we do it. But anyway, yes. Does practice make perfect in games, James? I'll just outright ask you the question straight off the bat. Do you think that practice makes perfect within gaming, or do you think it breaks down into multiple little categories? In general, I do think practice makes
1: perfect. I don't think that's a gaming thing. I think that's a life thing. Mm, Yeah. The more you do something, the better at it you will get. And I think that does apply to games, especially... The more heavyweight end end yeah. of the game, because very rarely do you get to see
0: the full game in one playthrough. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty true indeed, uh, and that sort of moves on to our sort of rule of thumb of we never ever review a game until we've played it at least you know three to five times. Yeah, you know, depending on the heaviness of that game, if it's a lightweight game, it still needs to be played three times because you need to see everything there is to see about that game. Yeah. Now I know we broke that rule. Uh, I think it was last week with Jamaica, but that really was such a simple game. Yeah, the- there's so much that happened in that with the different play styles between you, me, and the the other players that you saw pretty much everything that game had to offer. Yeah, you know, let's use that game as an example. If you were to play it again, do you think that you would be able to play it better? You know, or is it just so simple? the the whole statement of practice makes perfect doesn't really exist i'd say that's a little too simple for that because
1: it's the only random element is the order the cards are going to come out in Mm. or what you can do there's no real strategy until you've seen your cards and it's completely different take a game like root which is the example you've done if we just take the base game there are four different factions yeah so really to play that game properly not only do you have to understand how your own faction works you have to understand how the other three Mm. factions work so that you know what's coming at you
0: yeah yeah i would definitely agree with that and it's sort of it's one of my bullet points that i wrote down to really talk about was when we talk about practice makes perfect are we talking about just learning the rules of the game and the various different rules of the game especially with something like root which is the asymmetric play Mm. is the practice make perfect side things of that by learning the rules of each and every one of the factions so that you can maximise yeah. you know, your ability in I that I think game. it goes further
1: than that. I don't even think just reading their rules is enough. You actually have to play mm. all the factions to really get a grip for them. Scythe is another game like that. There are, yeah. like, what, seven, eight different victory conditions? Mm. So you can't work out strategy until you've actually tried each victory condition. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got to practice, you know, what? What what do I want to go for? What do I want to do? You know, the more you play the game, the better at it you will get. I would count that as practice.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. Because obviously, again, using something like Scythe and Root as the examples here, learning mechanisms as well, that that's going to be something that will inevitably help you yeah. going forward in those specific games. But also with the cross-pollination, I guess, with all the different games. So take deck building as an example. Mm-hmm. I've always said, within reason, once you've played a deck builder, a proper deck builder, then grasping other deck builders is pretty simple. Mm. And, you know, same same difference goes for, you know, roll and move games. You know, it's not difficult to learn how to roll dice and then move a piece along. But, you know, something like Scythe, like you said, the worker placement aspect of it, once you've learned a worker placement, worker placement games become a lot easier to understand and therefore master. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah,
1: I would. But it's how those different mechanics interact with the game itself. Mm.
0: And I guess that's where the, the previous two comments of, you know, learning the individual game mechanisms and learning the rules yep. sort of coincides with each other. And,
1: um, you know... going back to what i said about scythe it's like multiple victory conditions Mm. you know the first time you play that game it's like well there are seven different routes to victory that i can pick it's like very much the first time you play that game it's like well i'll pick a random one yeah i don't really know what i'm doing so i'll pick a random one it's like until you've actually tried to go for each one and then decide which one suits your play style and even then you have to practice play the game multiple times all right what's the best step to actually achieve that victory yeah um and then the best example of practice makes perfect i can think of is when you start getting into tabletop war games mm. that really is a practice makes of course. perfect
0: yeah because i mean uh, anything strategy-based i yeah. guess is is going to fall in that same category because you know war games inherently yep. are strategy-based much like the real thing you know it's all about strategy oh I mean, yeah okay you can argue that War can be won by brute force and sheer numbers, Mm. but ultimately wars are fought with heavy precise strategies
1: yeah and it's you know it's evident in those games where it's like when somebody plays a regular opponent Mm -hmm. they're right they know the army inside out and sort of okay so i've played you a couple of times i now know your strategies i know my strategies i probably know how this game's going to go after the first turn yeah and then it's great fun watching them play a new player and then it all go yeah because they're playing a different army the person doesn't know their strategy it's like yeah we get back to square one it's like you need to practice against this person or that army Mm.
0: i mean ultimately uh, you know do i say that when it comes to practice makes perfect within games do i think that someone should just play a single game just constantly until they master, or until they deem that they've mastered enough of it to to continue playing it in the future not really because you know that's not what the game is about the game is about having fun yeah however you know do you find that you get more enjoyment out of a game once you've mastered it and you know that your percentage or your chance of actually winning is greater i'm gonna rephrase that one slightly because
1: i am more about the the funness. i I think that practice makes you more competitive Mm -hmm. it's not about winning but no one likes to be curb stomped no that that's my thing it's not it's not about winning or losing it's the light and how far apart yeah, they are. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think I would actually agree with that as well, because, I mean, you know me well enough to know that it's not all about the winning for me, despite the fact that everyone seems to think that I- No, you just... <laughs> <laughs> ungodly lucky that's why
1: you manage to win games when you're actively trying
0: to lose yeah exactly um but yeah i i feel like for me i like to master games one because it's semi-expected of me when people know that you know i run a game club or i i talk about games on a weekly basis on the podcast you know it's, it's sort of expected that oh yeah i know i know all about these games i know everything there is to know about these games that's not the fact at all mm. I, I would challenge anyone to to really know everything about these games Especially the sheer amount that we play but for me as you said it's all about the competition yeah not because i want to be competitive but because i don't want to be curb stomped and the person that wins the game doesn't want a walk away victory with no challenge
1: it's boring for everyone involved not
0: in our group yeah you
1: don't want to get to the end of the first turn look at the board and go yeah this is over for me yeah and i'm Pretty sure most people don't want to, at the opposite end, like you said, after the first turn, it's like, oh yeah, I've won this.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, a game is, the best parts of a game come from the closeness of a game. There's nothing yep. like, we'll take Jamaica as another example, it's a racing game. Do we really want someone still on the start-finish line when the other person is finishing No, at the end? No, there's no competition there, that's not fun. Yep. Whereas if it comes down to the fact of, I've crossed the line, you're one space behind me and little Jimmy is one behind that. It's close. It's exciting. It's nail biting. Yeah. I've said this multiple times. It's like the most enjoyable games I've
1: played, no matter what they are, are the ones that have come down to the last turn and you're sitting there going, wow, this is close. Yeah. If I don't win now, you will win yeah. after it's, me. It's not even about who, it's just this is really close and it could go anyway anyway I don't actually yeah. care about winning anymore it's just yeah. the tension well,
0: I mean the perfect example really is we're talking about dice forge that we played last night it came down you know in a four-player game came down to points wise between me and you it was very very close indeed yep. And it came down to the last turn where I uh, think I got an upgrade which allowed me to roll a dice yep. four times. And by doing so, I managed to roll really lucky and was just rolling more victory points. And those victory points yep. were the difference between me and you yep, at the end, meaning that I got the victory. Yeah. So and, uh, that was just pure luck. Yeah, for that, and that was on round nine. And it's like all of the other ones we've been, what, Two or three points apart. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a couple of rounds where I went storming ahead on points, or I got a card that was worth a decent amount of points. But yeah, you know, in the next round, you did exactly the same. Mm. You know, and that's the good thing. But it was that wasn't either of our first times playing Dice Forge. Yeah, you know, we've both paid it multiple times now, and. I know that when I play that game, I have a strategy Mm. because I know the game. I've learned the game. I've learned the rules of the game and I've figured out what works to my play style. Yeah. Would you say that that's the kind of game that you you also have that?
1: Uh, I don't think I've played it enough to do it. But my question to you then is. You have a strategy. Mm-hmm. What happens if someone nicks a dice face that you need for that strategy? Do you ha- Is your strategy adaptable?
0: The strategy is fairly adaptable, yes. However, because of the way that I play the game, it will be very, very difficult for someone in order to do that um, because the key dice faces that I need, I nearly always get on. I I, you know, I get them very, very early on in the game. If, however, someone has the same strategy as me and they do get those die sides, it is adaptable, but it would hinder me substantially, I, I would say, in, in mm. that game. I, um, I know we're going to be playing it again very soon, so I'm not going to give anything away to you.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I, I've, I've made, I have made some notes, Jason,
0: after our <laughs> game on Wednesday. I have made notes. Indeed. But, yeah, that all came from really learning the games, learning the rules. There's an element, obviously, in every game where the replayability comes in because Dice Forge, for example, has different decks, mm. different you know, cards that you can purchase. Would that change my strategy if, say, two or three of those were completely missing? It would have to because mm. it then completely disrupts the strategy. Have I got a backup strategy for other options? Of course I have. Mm. But that has all come... From practice and playing the game multiple times and seeing all of these eventualities. Yeah, I
1: think an important caveat, actually, and you you mentioned this earlier or in one of your statements, is don't get put off a game trying to practice. It's like have a good rotation. Mm -hmm. Don't pick a game and focus solely on that game to keep practicing, keep practicing, keep uh, and keep practicing because you will burn yourself out. You won't enjoy it as much you'll get bored of it yeah it's like have a good rotation so that okay so i've played this game i tried this and try another game and while while you're playing the other game it's like you you're thinking about the game you've just played yeah sort of thing and all right next time this plays i'm going to try this you know but have a good rotation of games because like you know if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again you'll go off it
0: yeah, exactly. I would I would t- exactly agree with that. And same with rule books. There's no point in reading rule books over and over again to just absorb the information. Mm. There's multiple avenues of learning games. And something else I wanted to bring up, in fact, was when we say the practice makes perfect for me it's not all about playing the game or reading the rule book but also practice can come in the form of watching videos on youtube for example you know be it strategy videos or even how to play videos or or video breakdowns of of the game mechanics because you're still learning something about the game is that Something that you've done in the past, like yeah. with like Nemesis or something.
1: Yeah, I, I have, I've looked at a couple of like game videos, not just for Nemesis, but other games that we've been that have been on the list. Because yeah, someone might have come up with a strategy, and you go, "That's I haven't thought of that. Mm. Yeah. I might try that next time." My most watched thing things like that are tabletop war games because Mm -hmm. there are so many options and different ways that you can take your army. You might read a rule book or an army list and go, I'm not sure I'd ever take that weapon. Mm -hmm. So you don't take it. And then you watch a video where someone has taken it and gone, actually if you take this and do this, it actually works really well. And you go, oh, I never would have worked that out because I'm looking at this weapon
0: stats and going, probably not going to take that. Yeah, definitely. And again, with with regards to war games, you know, I, I refer back to Marvel Crisis Protocol. For me, was the sheer volume of single characters mm. that obviously you build your team around. It's only ever four to six, maybe seven models at most, but there's you know hundreds of models at this point, yeah. which means the combinations of things there is absolutely insane and I, I would not be able to sit there and go right every i know every single one of these play- characters and i know each what they're all good at and then be able to go right it work well with that one that one will work well with this one but then they wouldn't work together there are some out there that if you play that game solely that's all you play you're probably going to know that kind of stuff video is a really good thing because like especially
1: if the game you're playing has quite an intimidating rule work and a lot of war games do have quite intimidating rule oh yeah indeed yeah so videos like that are really good for finding combinations of units that work well together rather than having to sit there with a massively thick book going well this unit's got this stats okay so i'm gonna go through every one like what was gonna synergize well with yeah, this unit yeah, yeah. oh yeah. someone's made a video
0: yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, I think providing you are bringing in your knowledge from all these different forms, you mm. are going to become more well-versed in those games. Yep. It's another reason why with Probably the more complex games, I would say, or the harder to teach games, I do sort of... If I'm teaching games, it will be a case of I would recommend you watch this video first. Mm. So that one you're already getting to know some of the strategies, etc., as well as learning the game. You know, they're just... Eases my job in teaching, yeah, and it eases your job in learning.
1: Yeah, it might also help prolong the life of your game because mm. you're trying all these different strategies and combinations. Not all of them are going to work, no. so you might try a strategy in you know, going back to something like scythe and going, "Well, oh, I'll try this strategy." Okay, the first part went the way I wanted it to, and then it all kind of fell apart in the middle. Yeah. So I'll keep that bit. How am I going to overcome? What, what did I do wrong? Go back, think about it. All right, come back and try it again. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it might actually help prolong the life of your game because the better you get at it, the more mm. you're going to want to play it.
0: Now, would you say that this is the kind of discussion that you should be having with someone if, say, we've just played a game, you absolutely hated it, but the reason it was evidently clear the reason you hated it was because you just didn't understand what was going on. Is this where, a case of where it's worth pushing someone if that is the case? I, I, I think this goes back to our rule, doesn't it? You know,
1: rule of three. You mm. can't honestly say you hate a game or you love a game mm.
0: from one playthrough because yeah.
1: everyone loves a game, they win. Of course, yeah. But
0: that might have been potluck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even two or three times can be can be pot luck, you know. If everyone else is having a bad game or whatever, but mm. I, I would agree, and I think if someone really dislikes a game, it is a case of look, give it another go. Mm. You might see the light at the end of the tunnel, but at the same time, practice does make perfect. You know, yeah. if it's you couldn't grasp the mechanism. We'll, then look at, we'll um, focus on learning that a bit more for you. Look at Arc Nova; it's a mm. perfect example. If we went by our first
1: game impressions, both
0: of us would hate that game. Oh yeah, yeah, completely agree. And again, that game is all about practice makes perfect. Yeah. I think for me, because it, you know, we, we we've said the words a few times now, but it rewarded replay in that game, and, and rewarding replay and practice makes perfect are kind of two in the same thing. Yeah. You know, it, it's there isn't much of a difference between the two.
1: Yeah.
0: So I do, I do feel that within gaming and in life, like you said, it, it practice makes perfect on a lot of things. Yeah. Does practice make perfect in games differ in any way? I probably say it has a little bit of a difference to it because there are just some games that people just won't be able to master james you can't master the eerie (laughs) maybe you will one day but uh there's other factions that you need to now play and and master those as well so
1: thank you expansions (laughs) no it's just it just bugged me because you know i couldn't get it to work yeah i'd seen it being played by both you i'd seen ed play it yeah i'm pretty sure i saw other people play it yeah and it's like, it became my turn to feel the eerie. Yeah. And I just couldn't make it work.
0: <laughs> I mean, it probably doesn't help that, again, because of knowing the game mechanics, you've got the likes of me that knew exactly what to do to make it difficult for the eerie. You know, if I was playing the cats immediately, I'm going to pull back because then you're going to struggle to you know fulfill your decree or whatever but yeah i think really practice does make perfect within games summing up exactly what it is it's like i know
1: i'm probably going to play you and you know how to make it difficult Mm. so the onus is on me to find a strategy that's going to counter that yeah exactly it's like yeah you're playing the cats i know the first thing you're going to do is pull back Mm -hmm. so how do
0: i deal with that yeah exactly so james a couple of questions First one, I think I already know the answer to because I'm pretty sure you've said it already, but is mastering a game all about winning? No. No, it is not. Second question, and this one I think is a bit more tough for you. Have you ever had success by mastering it or, or learning a game so much that it's actually increased your odds of, of winning a game? Or have you had it so that you've actually won a game because you've learned different ways around things? Nemesis. That's a easy answer yeah yeah was that just le- again was that learning Different,
2: game mechanics yeah, you, or learning
1: uh, learn, uh, learning game mechanics by playing the mm. game multiple
0: times yeah would you say because nemesis kind of has this in it as well would you say the card counting is a, is a way of, of practice makes perfect because you know you you are essentially learning the odds of the cards coming out and air quotes Counting cards gives you a a rough idea of who's got what, what your chances are, and therefore you can then change things to do that. I mean, certain, because you you might be able to
1: count cards, but when the hands refresh, you're shuffling them, so Mm. you're never going to get it right. You know when they're coming up for a refresh... So yeah, it's more. I would say, a nemesis paying attention to the discard pile. Yeah, like what's come out and how far away from their refresh. What's yeah? How how many turns do I got before this card is going to reappear
0: to be yeah. played again? And I guess in that game, it's pretty easy to learn that kind of stuff as well because obviously everyone's essentially got the same deck bar one or two cards yeah because i mean
1: go back to your first question as well it's sort of like you can master the rules and you can master your strategy what 99 percent of games have elements of luck be they dice rolling or card drawing or whatever it's like you can never strategize for that you can increase your odds pretty well Mm -hmm. but there is
0: always an element of luck yeah and one final question i think before we before we go on this and this is a bit of a strange one i guess but with the examples recently (laughs) that we have played quite a few different animal themed games would you say that themes across different games help you learn the games more? Or do you think that theme is just so unintegral to, to learning games? I don't think it's
1: integral to learning the games. That I think theme more comes into, am I going to be initially interested in mm, this game? Yeah. Theme is more about what draws you in. Yeah. Initially, it's yeah. like, oh, I like the look of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I did have a little discussion with someone a little while ago and they, they said that theme helps them learn uh, learn the game and, and that by learning themes help them with other games that have that same theme. And I, I never quite figured out how or why.
2: Mm. Well, it's other interest. other than interest? the fact it's interest, yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe it's because they've got the interest there, they're willing to put that extra time into learning more about the game and its game mechanics, etc. Mm. Uh Wingspan being a perfect example. You know, there's so many different i guess game mechanics within that game i don't give a damn about the theme yeah but you know there's interesting mechanics at work and because you know i can teach wingspan really easy it's a great entry level engine builder which i can now use to teach engine building and then go right you've got the stepping stones now now you go and play another engine builder and you will know roughly how it's going to work Mm. So yes, anything else you want to talk about? Practice makes perfect, James. I think we've covered all the bases here, Jason. Yeah, another quiet little uh, discussion, I guess, really, when it comes to this. But Mm. it is something that affects gaming and and life. Yeah. So yeah, practice does make perfect. Yeah, I think to
1: sum up, it's like, again, unless you get really lucky, you can't really expect to walk into a game and just master it. You know, there are some lucky people who do manage to do everything right on their first first outing it's usually potluck
0: yeah and and it's fair to say that you know if you're playing with someone who solely plays that game they're going to know everything about that game inside and out you know war games especially Mm. we used to have a few people that used to play x-wing and that's literally all they played so they knew everything about that game and how they could get around everything and someone who's brand new wouldn't have a a chance basically Mm practice makes perfect there's not much else we can really say about it is there okay uh i want to say let's hand over to paul uh, to tell me what i'm spending my money on this week but unfortunately i've spent far too much money on games recently but uh providing you can find me some really good kickstarters that that money comes out next month <laughs> so uh yeah let's hand over to the man in the news shed shall we let's do it over to you paul Did I
3: say stop wafting? Yeah, well, I'm not the one who broke the electric fan, am I? You were warned. Electricity and your paddling pool just do not mix. Oh, hang on. You might want to come out of the direct sunlight too. Well, you might start, um, deforming a bit you being plastic at all okay okay you can give your wings a little rest while i record the news if that's okay great i'll let you go and have a dip in your pool but just remember the sun okay oh before you go would you be so kind as to push the button for me A fan-made version of Pokemon Master Trainer, the 1990s board game based on the beloved video game series, adds all new gameplay elements like levelling up and even shopping. Created by board game geek user Cisco, Pokemon Master Trainer Adventure Edition is an unofficial version of the board game adaptation of the Pokemon video game series. Featuring various elements from both the original version of the family board game and Pokemon Master Trainer Ultimate Edition, another fan-made edition created by board game geek user Daikan, this new version also features a collection of brand new content not found in any previously released design. Aside from the Gym Leader expansion, which enables players to challenge each Gym Leader found in the original Kanto Pokemon region, and a modified game board based on Daikan's Ultimate Edition, the additional content found in Adventure Edition of Pokemon Master Trainer was designed entirely by Cisco. The major new additions featured in this edition include the ability to gamble at the game Corner, which was originally introduced in the first generation of Pokemon video games. Another new addition is the opportunity to spend any coins earned throughout the game in various shops spread across the board, allowing players to get useful items to use during their adventure. Players will also be able to find items by searching across the board for any hidden locations. And on top of this, players can level up their Pokemon and improve their abilities and statistics, helping them get closer to their ultimate goal of defeating the champion of the Kanto region. Players can download the rulebook for Pokemon Master Trainer Adventure Edition alongside any files they'll need for printing, from the blog published by Cisco, with a Pokemon fan outlying where they got the various elements needed to build this version of the board game, whether through purchases from online stores or via printing. The original Pokemon Master Trainer was released by Milton Bradley, a now defunct studio that was purchased by the board game giant Hasbro, which also owns Dungeons & Dragons publisher Wizards of the Coast. Based on the Pokemon series of video games, which also served as inspiration for the Pokemon trading card game, Pokemon Master Trainer has players set off to explore the region of Kanto and gather a team of Pokemon to challenge other trainers with. As players make their way across the board, they'll battle other trainers in order to progress towards the Indigo Plateau, where they'll eventually attempt to be the first person to defeat the region's champion and become the winner. The digital files provided by Cisco are free to download, with players needing to acquire all the other components to create their own version of Pokemon Master Trainer Adventure Edition. A new Disney board game is on its way to fish the money out of your pockets with a gacha-like collectible hook. For the unaware, gacha games are named after hugely popular Gashapon Japanese toy vending machines, which provide capsules containing random figures and other toys in exchange for coins. The capsules are opaque and randomly drop out of the machine, resulting in a random prize for the buyer. The randomised format has since been digitised by video games in the form of loot boxes and other ways to obtain costumes, characters and content often bought or accelerated using real-world money leading to no shortage of controversy and concern popular examples include massive free-to-play game genshin impact which provides random items and characters to players and the loot boxes of colorful shooter overwatch on the tabletop there's the booster packs of trading card games such as magic the gathering and pokemon which contained a randomized selection of cards across a spectrum of rarities as well as the randomised painted miniatures of games such as Heroclix. Well, upcoming board game Disney Kingdomania is yet another attempt to bring the concept to the world of board games, offering 40 different Disney and Pixar characters, from Mickey Mouse to Buzz Lightyear, Cruella Deville to Zootopia's Judy Hopps, in the form of small figurines that can be randomly obtained by buying a blind bag toy. The figures can then be used to play the co-op board game itself, which requires players to patch glitches in a virtual world inspired by retro video games. Each character has an associated special ability and unique set of stats, which can help players as they roll to progress towards victory. In keeping with the 8-bit setting of the board game, the cube-headed models also have a pixel art style. Kingdomania comes from Funko Games, the board game outlet owned by the maker of the Love'em or Hate'em pop vinyl figures. As well as characters from Disney and Pixar, the toys will include notable items such as Aladdin's lamp, Pluto's doghouse and Malevolent's spinning wheel that can apparently affect actions and events in the board game's story. As you'd likely expect from a game built around a large roster of collectible characters, For players to seek after, there'll also be rarer finds in the form of glitched figures that appear with a unique blue and orange hue. A game ball containing two characters and 12 of the map tiles used to create Kingdom Mania's board will cost $9.99. A single game ball can be played as a standalone game by a solo player. Super Game Packs, meanwhile, will be the only way to get two of the item figures alongside four characters and 20 tiles and will cost $22.99. Like the Game Ball, each will also serve as a standalone way to play the game with up to two people. And you can expect Disney Kingdomania releasing its first wave of figures this autumn. Spanish studio The Game Kitchen is crowdfunding a comprehensive VR platform for board games that will focus on recreating the feeling of sitting around a table, and it's already boasting several licensed titles in its library. All On Board will allow owners of both the MetaQuest 2 and Steam VR headsets to meet at a digital table and play board games from a catalogue of licensed titles and user creations. The platform will support crossplay from the get-go and the developers said they are committed to future technologies, features and devices in all on board as they become relevant in the VR ecosystem. One of the stated goals of the project is to eliminate as much hassle from the process of play as possible, cutting down the time between strapping into a headset and placing a worker. Part of that is integrating features already standard to other online platforms, such as automatic scoring and the ability to save and restore game states. The platform will apparently take full advantage of VR tech, as players will be able to pick up, manipulate and even chuck pieces across the virtual space. Only one user in the group will need a game license in order to play. That sounds like an odd thing to mention, but online multiplayer platforms have historically been allergic to sharing licenses between several people. There will also be a matchmaking system allowing solo players to search for open tables. The Game Kitchen is also betting on its planned suite of modding and creation tools to draw in would-be designers. According to a press release, All On Board will take advantage of a built-in system of creating and playtesting prototype board games that doesn't require any prior coding knowledge. Screenshots and the Kickstarter campaign video show off a logic tree situation, linking conditional statements and actions together, similar to interactive fiction program Inkle. Those who just want to play and look good while doing so will have the ability to modify the digital table, its surrounding room, Those range from middle-class living rooms to fantasy dungeons and the crew quarters of a spaceship. And the weird, bodiless avatars that all VR programs seem to use. These Rayman-esque personas can change into funny hats and eyewear, hand accoutrements, and the tippy top of a shirt. Players will also be able to change gestures and upload their own assets as mods. The developers have announced seven licensed board games so far and plan to reveal another six or so during the length of the Kickstarter campaign. That library will reportedly expand between now and the platform's official release next year, and the Game Kitchen said the library will be regularly expanded after launch. Players will need to purchase a license to the board games from the digital library in order to play them, but no information on prices has been offered at this time. The games already announced include Black Rose Wars by Ludus Magnus, Rallyman GT by Holy Grail Games, Escape the Dark Castle by Fiendborn, Sword and Sorcery by Ares, Infinity Defiance by Corvus Belly, and Istanbul by Pegasus Spiel. The Game Kitchen is a video game developer based in southern Spain and has previously released the popular 2D action platformer Blasphemous as well as point and click horror series The Last Door. All On Board is the studio's first official foray into board games, and its staff say personal passion for both analog games and VR tech led to this marriage. Those who back the All On Board Kickstarter campaign will gain access to an early playtest period set to begin sometime towards the end of 2022, with the official release set for late 2023. And we're heading on over to crowdfunding, and all three of these are over on Kickstarter at the moment. First up is Snap Ship Tactics by Snap Ships. Got to watch what I'm saying there. Uh, One to four players, 30 to 120 minutes, 14 years and over, ends on Thursday, July the 28th. Snap Ships Tactics is a revolutionary miniatures battle game you will play with modular, fully customizable ship models. In the future, humanity is under constant attack from a brutal alien hive mind, known as the Complex. Facing them are the pilots of the Forge, commanders of spacecraft known as Snap Ships. Fast attack craft, interceptors, armoured bombers, drop ships and support craft. Snap ships are constructed from modular components, allowing ships to be outfitted on the fly for the specific mission at hand. Each player builds a custom miniature ship, or indeed a squadron of them, and commands them in an intense tactical combat over a series of rounds. Ships are completely modular and built from a library of hundreds of unique plastic components. Ships manoeuvre across a free-form battlefield as players allocate power to their ships' unique systems to move, evade and fire many different weapons. They can take advantage of battlefield hazards and terrain to gain the upper hand and seek to destroy the ships in their opponent's squadron. Snap ships' tactics because the best ship is the one you create. Pledge levels start at £82 or $99 for the starter box and any daily unlocks they announce or you for 165 pounds or 199 gets you the starter box the elite ships pack the scout ships pack additional stands and again all the daily unlocks next up is dice monsters missing mythics by matthew westlake this for three to six players it takes 30 to 40 minutes to complete. For ten years and over, ends on Thursday, July the 28th. Long ago, mythic monsters roamed the land, bringing awe and wonder to anyone lucky enough to catch a glimpse of them. Last Thursday, they all went missing. Dice Monsters is a fast, light strategy game for three to six players that takes just a few minutes to learn and 30 to 40 minutes to play. With a fast setup, simultaneous actions and no end-of-game scoring tally, games move quickly each round every player will pick a monster to try to capture or choose to place a wager risking dice for juicy payoffs choose and use your monsters wisely each monster comes with a special ability that could improve future roles provide bigger dice bonuses with greater risk steal dice from other players or even sabotage their dice rolls You'll get to upgrade your dice to tilt the odds in your favour, but finding the right combination of monsters and dice upgrades is key to being the first player to capture their own mythic monster. Players consistently have a variety of meaningful and interesting decisions to make, and with meaningful, focused player interaction without information overload. With a fast setup, simultaneous player actions and no player elimination, you can minimise time spent waiting for games to finish with a roar and a laugh, not with an accounting exercise. And one pledge level is at £30 or $35 for a copy of Dice Monsters Missing Mythics. And lastly is Taverns and Dragons by Lord Raccoon Games. It's for 1-5 players, takes an hour to play, 10 years and over and ends on Thursday, August the 4th. The king is coming to the city and will feast at the tavern offering the most tempting banquet. Send your minions into the cursed forests to gather the rarest ingredients for your recipes. Magic mushrooms, wild plants, dragon eggs. Nothing is too dangerous for the king, so sharpen your blades and get those pans heated. Taverns and Dragons combines dice placement mechanics with work and movement in a family-friendly adventure game full of heroes and dragons. At the beginning of each round, players roll their dice. Then, each player will play one dice, either to move a minion, get resources, or indeed cook a recipe. Your minions may also collect ingredients, visit locations to get bonuses, and engage in a risky but rewarding dragon hunt. Valiant heroes are waiting on the marketplace, willing to offer their skills in exchange for a few shiny coins. To win the game, you must have the highest prestige points at the end. These points are earned by cooking recipes, completing missions, engaging heroes and hunting dragons. While the game is accessible and gameplay streamlined, choices and combos will be crucial to overcome your rival taverns. And with just one pledge level, it's at £39 or $45. That gets you a copy of Taverns and Dragons, the Sneaky Goblin and Solo expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content and all unlocked stretch goals and we're heading on over to events and this coming sunday the 24th of july sees me hosting july's mid sussex meeples game day this will be our last one before we have a short break for our summer Hollybobs. we're in attendance at our usual venue cypress hall cypress road burgess hill rh15 8 dx from 10am through to 6pm five pounds per person inclusive of refreshments and of course our games library never know we may be treated to some more icy treats yet again we hope to see you there tuesdays is worthing board gamers first night of the week down at dice worthing from 7pm until 10 pm just three pounds cover charge location of the store is 24 to 26 portland road worthing bn 11 1qn wednesdays has crawley gaming community being hosted at the comic shop 42 High Street, Crawley, RH10, 10, 1BW. Tending to gather from 6ish onwards until close. £3 per evening there. Thursdays has three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers. Down at the Ardington Hotel, Steen Gardens, Worthing, BN11, 3DZ from 7pm. Dave's penultimate week as host of Lewis's Board Game Club and Trinity Gaming Cafe is this week. They'll be at Arminger Place, Lewis, BN7, 2QA, from 7pm through to 11pm. Also, Jake and Chris would like to welcome you to Dyson Drinks, 79-81 Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH159BQ, for their Thursday evening socials, and entry is just £5 there. Crawley Gaming Club. Are always here for you on Mondays. They'll be up and running from 6pm over at the Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH10, 5DF, and just £3 per person over there. Now, with this heat as it is now, rather than germies, keep close to socials for any last minute changes that may come into effect. Brian, I've finished! Oh, Brian, I warned you about the sun. Quick, get back in your mould and straighten the fridge with you. Come on, half hour tops. You're looking, um, decidedly lopsided. Anyway, quick. Well, maybe an hour. Quick, say goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling. The card's shuffling and we'll be right here for you next week.
0: Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for a topical discussion. We haven't done one of these for a little while. I know. It's good yeah. to break out the old topical every once in a it while. It is, yeah. We normally break, uh, break up the months a bit more between the game highlights. But, uh, you know, there's been so many games that we've been playing recently that we've just wanted to crack those, uh, those episodes out. But with me being constantly busy and I think, bar the game nights, this is pretty much the only time that we've managed to get yep. together and even have a chat. Yep. So uh unlike normal where you usually get here we've been chatting a lot so we were able to sit down and just go mm. this time we were having chats before even going live so yeah. How do you think it went today though? It was that an interesting
2: topic. Yeah,
0: I, I, I quite enjoyed that one. Yeah, good. Good. Um obviously spurred on from something that you had said and <laughs> Yeah, I did a thing. You did a thing. You you contributed. I intentionally
1: did a thing. <laughs>
0: You did indeed. It's quite nice when that
1: happens, though, isn't it? You know, when when you're... I know it's come from our 100th episode, but it could also come from a game night or, you know, talking to the wider community when it spurs a
0: discussion. It's like, you know what? We're going to talk about that. Yep, completely agree. And, and do you know what? They're the, the episodes I enjoy doing most, actually, is when it comes from the likes of a game night or something that someone says. It just makes it so much more fun, so much more personal for me, you know, when we're talking... About an experience, so yeah. Shall we sign off this evening, James? It's not quite as hot tonight, so we might actually be able to get a game in. Indeed, let's do it. Yeah, awesome stuff. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Until next week, I have been Jason. And I've been James. And you've been listening to the Meeple Minded Podcast. Join us next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta, goodbye.
3: Yeah.